0: just give you a thought or two. And so, uh, Genesis chapter 18 in your Bibles tonight, Genesis 18. And, um, of course we're in our series right now called finding victory in a failing world. And, uh, this is another installment of that God's search for evidence. And so Genesis chapter 18, when you find your Bibles, uh, that in your Bibles, let's all stand. If you're able to stand that is, and we're going to read some amazing scripture tonight. Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 16. And honestly, give me just a few moments. I'll preach just a few moments tonight. It will not be very long at all tonight. Genesis 18 verse 16. The Bible says, And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now I want you to really pay attention to the next few verses. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. What a verse. Verse number 21, the Lord said. This is the Lord speaking. Now we've learned through the course of this series that there were three men who presented themselves to Abraham. We know that two of those men were angels. One of those was the Son of God. And so the Lord is speaking here in verse number 21, and the Lord says, I will go down now. And see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it, which is coming to me and listen to what the Lord says. And if not, I will know. (laughs) And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight, if I could. God's search for evidence. You may be seated tonight and we'll just sort of uh, organize into a Bible study for a few moments and uh, I'll preach just for a few minutes and we're going to be, we're going to be done and we're going to be heading to the house tonight. And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your blessings and for the privilege to be back in your house again tonight. Lord, we're so thankful that you brought some of our wonderful missionaries our way. It's great to have the Blooms and the Stalys with us tonight. And I pray that you'd bless them in a very, very special, special way. And then, Lord, we're asking you to let your favor be upon the Morgans. And, Lord, just bless them, Lord, as they uh, seek to... to, uh, Join with the Haven Baptist Church and assist that church there. And uh, Lord, as you're establishing a work for God there on the West Coast, and Lord, you really are. You're doing something there. And folks are being saved and lives are being changed. And God, we're thankful that uh, while this church is ministering just a few hours later, Lord, there's another church that's ministering all the way across the country. And I pray that you'd bless them. Now, Lord, we've taken time for uh, to emphasize missions tonight, but Lord, as we close this service, I pray that you'll help us as we take a few moments and just try to teach a little bit and, and <clears throat> give our folks uh, some simple faults, and they truly are, but some good faults and some amazing faults that, uh, Lord, you've laid upon my heart and showed me in, in Bible study. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me now as I try to share these <clears throat> with your church tonight. Lord, we don't have much of a voice tonight. Uh, But we're going to be brief. And so I pray that in the brevity of this time, that, Lord, you would extend my voice. And I pray that you would uh, teach us a great lesson tonight. And we pray for the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. And, Father, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Boy, what a question. Why would God imply that he, God, the Lord, was gonna actually go down and personally look into what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. But that's what the Bible says. He said in verse 21, I, talking about the Lord, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it which is coming to me. And then the Lord says, and this is, this is amazing. And if not, I will know. And my question is this, didn't God already know? Doesn't he know everything? Isn't the Lord that we serve, isn't he an omniscient God? My Bible says in 1 John chapter three, verse number 20, for if our heart condemneth, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all Things, the Bible says. Psalm 139, verse number four, the psalmist said it like this, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. I was reading that scripture today that says he even knows the hairs of our head. He numbers the hairs of our head. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 46 and verse number 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done and he knows them all he knows everything that's happened everything that's going to happen we sort of think that you know COVID was an uh oh moment but you understand that God knew that COVID was going to come eons of time before COVID ever struck and so isn't God an omniscient God and the answer to that is absolutely God knows everything there's nothing he doesn't know But it's important for us to understand something, that God never does anything hastily. And he never does anything impromptu. Now don't forget tonight, Calvary, that God is speaking here to Abraham. And he wants Abraham to know that he's not simply judging a city because he can, although he can. But he's judging these cities because they have stepped over God's deadline Then let me give you a few simple thoughts tonight uh, if I could and, I, and we'll make these very practical and I think they'll help you tonight number one several lessons we see here in this passage number one we see genuine investigation now look at verse number 21 Genesis 18 and verse number 21 and the Lord says here I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it which is coming to me and if not I will know Boy, amazing. God would not take what he had heard for face value. Now look at, look, at, uh, look at verse number 20 again. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, God said, I will go down now. Now I want to ask you a question. Who's crying He says, because the cry of them is so grievous, I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna investigate. And so my question is, who's crying? Well, it's definitely not the Sodomites that are living in their sin. I don't believe that's who's crying. Notice chapter 19, flip over one page and look at chapter 19, verse number 13. He says, for we will destroy this place because, notice this, because the cry of them, is waxen great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy the cry of them. Who's them? That phrase, the cry of them, is the Greek word sa'aqua. it means this, it means to shriek. It means this, to cry out in a high pitched voice with the idea of being in terror. In other words, here's what I believe is going on here and this is one of the things that we've talked through the course of this series is that Sodom and Gomorrah was not a friendly place to visit. It was a very weird, unique place. And, and when visitors came in, often those visitors were abused, sometimes murdered. Tradition says that maybe even one of Lot's own, own daughters were murdered, uh, was, was executed because she helped a beggar. You were not allowed to help the beggars. You were not allowed to, to help the homeless. You were not allowed to help the poor. And often those who came into Sodom and Gomorrah were often abused. We know that the angels that, that came to Lot, the, the men of Sodom wanted to, to rape them. And so I believe this. I believe that every time some innocent person wandered into Sodom and Gomorrah. They were abused or killed or mistreated or raped or whatever the case may be, and they cried out. I believe their shriek entered into the ears of Almighty God. We used to sing a song years ago that went something like this. Your tears are touching God when you cry them from your heart. Yes, He knows when you're broken inside, There's a feeling only God knows the burdens that you bear and your tears are touching God when you cry. So here's what I believe. I believe that every time some way Pharaoh would come into Sodom and he was abused or he was murdered or he was placed in prison or whatever the case may be and he cried out, I believe that cry came up to the Lord. But we notice here that God refused to accept these shrieks as pure evidence We find here, and I'm going somewhere, so stay with me. We find here that God sent his own private investigators before he saw fit to judge. That's why God said, I'll go down now, and I'll see. And if it's true, God said, then I'll do what I know I need to do. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a very good practical lesson there. And this is the lesson. Did you know it'd do us all good If we would investigate before we jump to conclusions. You know, uh, often, this is the truth, often, man, we are so fast to jump the gun. And it would help us as a church, and it would help us in our Christian life if we would follow the example of God and when you hear something, when you hear some hearsay or you hear some gossip or or something like that, man, we would do so well if we would follow the ways of God and say, you know what? Before I talk about that, and before I spread that, and before I get on the phone and I start calling people in the church, and before I post it on Facebook and Twitter, and before I begin to write people off, you know what? Maybe just maybe before I begin to talk about that and spread it around, maybe I need to do like God and start investigating to make sure that it's really accurate. But you know what we do a lot of times? Before we get the load down, before we really know what's going on, man, we're reaching for the cell phone and we're calling Sister Blabbermouth in the church. And, and man, we're, we're and, 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 this is, and this is how it goes a lot of times. Listen, I just want you to know, I'm not gossiping, I'm not gossiping. I just want you to pray. You don't want them to pray a bit more than that chair wants them to pray. We just love to share stuff. And understand that this, these cries have been coming up to the Lord. And the Lord says, I've heard the cries, but I'm gonna send some investigators down. And I'm gonna investigate this out. I'm not gonna take it for face value. You know what I was thinking about? I'm afraid a lot of Christians probably would have assumed that Joseph was guilty when the story came out. When, When Potiphar's wife came and she made these accusations against Joseph And Potiphar takes Joseph and throws him in jail because of these accusations. We know those accusations weren't true at all. But I'm afraid a lot of Christians and a lot of churches would have just take, taken that for face value and said, you know what? Boy, I can't believe what Joseph did. And, I mean, he's supposed to be a Christian and uh, you know, goes down to such and such a church and, and uh, uh, love the Lord. And here he is you know, fooling around with another man's wife and, and now he's in jail. Hey, have you heard where Joseph is? Have you heard what he's been involved in? Listen, things are not always as things may seem. Never assume, never assume, Calvary Baptist Church, that you always know all the details. You say, well, preacher, I do know all the details. Maybe not. I'm just saying this. You know what? We'd be a whole lot better off if we'd just cool our jets and just say, you know what? Before I start saying anything about that, I'm just going to wait. Things are not always as they appear to be. So a guy walks into a dealership. Not just any dealership. Rolls Royce dealership. And uh, there is a midnight blue Rolls Royce sitting on the showroom floor. The guy goes over. He begins to admire this car. He begins to look at the uh, hood ornament, you know. And a salesman comes over. A salesman comes over and says, sir, sir, please don't touch the car. And and the gentleman says to the salesman, he says, uh, would it be all right if I look inside of it? <laughs> and this guy didn't really look like anything special. In fact, uh, he didn't look bad, but I mean, he didn't walk in with a, a three-piece suit, you know, he just sort of looked like everyday common guy. And, and so uh, the salesman, when, when he said, listen, could can I, can I see inside the car? Could you get the key? Could I see inside the car? Could I hear it run? And the salesman said, sir, <laughs> that car List for $350,000. And then he said this he said, I'm sure that someone like you would not be approved for a loan. The guy looked back at the salesman and said, Who mentioned a loan? He was carrying a bag, by the way. It wasn't a fancy bag, but he was carrying a bag. And when he opened the bag, there was well over $350,000 in the bag. And he said, I'll not be taking out a loan. I'm expecting to buy this car with cash. Now, listen to me, church. I just said that to say this. Not everything is what it seems to be. And so it'd be good if we wouldn't always jump to conclusions about individuals. You know, if you hear something about somebody in the church, don't take it for face value. Man, don't. You say, well, you know, preacher, uh, you know, so-and-so told me. Well, I'm I'm sure that so-and-so means right, but don't take that for what it's worth. Just take it as a grain of salt. and, And just, you know, just... Leave it alone, and, and things are not always as they seem. Uh, don't, don't jump to, to conclusions about individuals. Don't, ju- don't jump to conclusions about situations. You know, sometimes folks, and by the way, this is okay. I, I'm not picking on anybody, but, but, but often, often, uh, people will call, and they'll say, preacher, preacher, pray for me, pray for me. Uh, I've probably got cancer. And I'll say to them, my goodness, why You know, why do you think you have cancer? Well, the doctor called and they want me to come in for a test. And I probably got cancer. Now, hey, Calvary, I'm going to tell you something. Is it possible that you have cancer? Oh, yeah. Is it possible that I have cancer? Oh, yeah. Is it very possible that you don't have cancer? Oh, yeah. And so don't jump to conclusions. And, and uh, you know, you think, well, my life's probably over, or my relationship's over, or our finances are a mess. Hey, learn to move slowly and carefully. Don't panic. It's important that we act and not react. And, 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 and listen to this, church. Did you know that Christ exhibited this over and over and over? Slow, methodical responses in every single situation. Hey, remember the story where Jesus is in the garden? And the Bible says the throne comes to take him by force. Remember Peter's response? As the throne came to take the Lord, Peter yanks his sword out, and then he just starts whacking. He goes for Malchus and cuts his ear off. You say, Was Peter aiming for his ear? Peter wasn't aiming for his ear, Peter was aiming for his head. And Peter swinging, Malchus ducked, and, and I'm, I, just, I feel sure that's what happened. Peter wasn't a swordsman, Peter was a fisherman. And Peter waxed his ear off, and remember the story? The Bible says, the Lord reached down, and he picked up malchus 's ear, and he put malchus 's ear back on, and he said, "Peter, put your sword up, live by the sword, die by the sword." And we notice the lord 's response was just he didn 't react, he acted. Remember the story over in John chapter four when When the religious leaders brought the lady that was taken in adultery, and the Lord Jesus Christ is in the temple, and he's teaching, and they don't even wait for him to finish teaching. They just bring her in, they fling her down to the Lord, and they said, Moses said we ought to stone her. What do you say? And they interrupt the service. Remember Jesus' response? The Bible says he he stooped down as if he never heard them, and he began to write on the ground. Now, I don't know what he wrote. Some said that he wrote, you know, where's the man? Some said he wrote grace, a lot of other things. But I'm just saying this, you know what? He waited. He didn't respond. He didn't, he didn't just act, you know. He, he waited. And uh, listen, before you, before you just take things for face value and you say, well, preacher, I heard this from a reliable source. And I say, really? What was your reliable source? Well, it was my aunt's first cousin's brother. Yeah. When's the last time you saw him? Man, I saw him two and a half years ago at a Christmas event, and, uh, and he's a reliable source. Listen, uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying this. Wait, man, just wait. Don't respond. Don't react. Just, just hold on to that. We see genuine investigation, but I love this next one. Number two, we see genuine intercession. Look at Genesis 18, verse 22. Now, this will help you tonight. The Bible says in verse 22, and the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. When Abraham heard about this terrible situation and those that are facing the judgment of God, you know what his response was? His response was to pray. He prayed for them. We find that in Genesis 18, verses 22 through 33. Now, Abraham prayed. Now you say, Pastor, is that important? I believe it's important. You understand that Abraham didn't have to respond like that. Abraham could have lashed out at Lot. Abraham could have responded in a lot of different ways. But when he heard about this judgment that was coming and these folks that were going to be judged, we find Abraham spending time in prayer. I am very convinced tonight, Calvary, that if we would pray before we respond we would respond in a much better way. The songwriter said, hey, you left your room this morning. Did you think to pray? In the name of Christ our Savior, did you soothe for loving favor as a shield today? Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change the night today. So when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. Uh, you say, Pastor, I'm just the kind of person who says what I'm thinking. Uh, listen, before you say what you think, maybe you ought to pray. Before you just decide to rebuke someone, maybe you need to pray. Before you decide to react to someone, maybe you need to pray. Before you decide to, uh, you know, to uh, start spreading things around in the church, maybe you ought to take some time like Abraham and say, you know, there's a lot of different ways I can respond to this, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna, gonna get in my prayer closet. I'm gonna get down here on the prayer trail and I'm gonna pray for these folks and I'm gonna lift these folks up to the Lord. Hey, did you pray before you said what you said? Did you pray before you flew off the handle? Did you pray before you became so angry? Prayer. A lot of times, and we have so many parents with, with little ones, and we encourage our parents to discipline their children. You, you, you ought to discipline your children. But we also encourage parents to do this, that if your children get you really, really upset, and kids have a way of doing that, before you discipline them, you ought to take a little break. Don't just snatch them up in a moment of rage and start disciplining your kids. That's when you're going to cause problems. And so if your kid does something and they disobey you and, boy, they just get your danger up and you think, I told you not to do that. you get And listen to me now. You know what? If you discipline your kids like that, you you may not discipline, discipline them in the way that God wants you to discipline them. So here's what you do. You say, go to your room. Or I would say to our kids, go to the bathroom. They knew what that meant. Go to the bathroom and wait. That was part of the punishment, by the way. Psychological warfare, amen. (laughs) Hey, they drive you insane. Why don't you drive them insane for a little bit, amen. (laughs) And I'd say, go to the bathroom. I'll be there in a little bit. And I'd make them go to the bathroom and I'd just wait. I'd wait 15, 20 minutes. Until I knew I was cool, cool down. And when I was in control, then I would go in and I would sit on the only chair that was available there. And I'd put them right in front of me and I would say, you know what you did? And you know what we got to do? And I would discipline my children. Now you say, Pastor, what in the world does that have to do with anything you're preaching about tonight? Boy, we'd do good if we used that for everything. Somebody comes to you and says, man, did you hear the latest thing? Did you hear did you hear about Brother Donnie? I mean, did you hear about that? Now, if you hear about, about Brother Donnie, it's probably true. I'm going to be honest. But <laughs> what, what we ought to do is we ought to just stop. And say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I don't know if it's true or not. I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm just going to pray. I don't have to get on the phone, call Brother Mike, get on the phone, you know, and call Brother uh, Mike Herzen, get on the phone, you know, and call Brother Tim, get on the phone, call Brother Looney. And uh, you know what? I need to get on the royal telephone and call Jesus is what I need to do. And just pray and talk to the Lord about it. And before I respond, I just need to take some time and just walk with God and spend some time. Oh, this isn't good preaching, but boy, this is good truth tonight. And just take a little time and say, I'm just going to let it marinate. And by the way, church, by the way, if it's true, how many know this? God can take care of it. I don't know what's going on with these preachers nowadays, man. I'm telling you. These preachers, all of a sudden, they'll see a preacher make a mistake or, you know, fall or something. And all of a sudden, they just want to publish it in every periodical around the country. And and I'm thinking, what in the world is that about? Man, what we ought to be doing is is crying our eyes out because somebody fell out of the ministry or somebody ruined their life or their testimony. Man, we ought to be brokenhearted and then we ought to be praying for them. And I'm going to tell you something else. Then we ought to be calling them saying, listen, can I help you? Can I restore you? Can I, listen, can I come alongside of you and pick you back up and dust you off. We don't do that, though. We just, something happens, and man, we just, you know what? We just got that knee-jerk reaction, and we just respond. And we find here that the Lord said, I hear the cries, but I'm not gonna respond. I'll go down now, and I will see. And if it's so, I don't know. And so, just take a little time, and uh, investigate. We see genuine investigation. We see genuine intercession. And I love this church. Number three, and last of all, we're done. We see genuine, what I'm calling genuine inflection. Now, look, look at Genesis 18 quickly, and we're, we're out of here. Genesis 18, verse number 23. This is just amazing. Genesis 18, verse number 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He's talking to the Lord. Verse 24, peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked. And that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. boys. just really working with the Lord here. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Hey, Calvary, look at verse 26. This is amazing. And the Lord said... If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Look at verse 28, the last part of the verse in verse number 28. And he said, if I find there are 40 and five, I will not destroy it. Look at the last part of verse number 29. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. The last part of verse number 30. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. The last part of verse number 31. And he, talking about the Lord. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. Look at verse 32. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet, but this once peradventure 10 shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. The word inflection there means this. It means to bend to deviate inflection is the exact opposite of inflexibility something that won't bend you know what god almighty is saying to his servant abraham here if you'll find at least 10 righteous people in sodom i i'm willing to change my plans man you know what i believe calvary you say preacher what's all this about preaching in the nursing homes, preaching on the radios, preaching on the live stream, uh, soul winning gospel tracks, uh, you know, increasing our missions and supporting more missionaries and all these things. You say, Pastor, what is this all about? Listen, I believe that we have a God of inflection. And if we can get enough people born again, there is a chance that God may give some mercy to America. You say, Pastor, what's the ratio? I don't know what the ratio is. But I just believe this. I believe if we can keep leading folks to Christ in Union Grove, North Carolina, and around this area, maybe, just maybe, we'll spare his mercy for just a little while longer. Hey, church, I'm going to tell you something. For a few of us, we might not have a whole lot to worry about. But for Moses and Adrian, if the Lord tarries his coming, what's this world going to be like for them? Some of you have grandbabies. What's this world going to be like for our grandbabies if God doesn't give us mercy? And God is saying this, you just keep winning folks to me, just keep winning folks to me, and maybe, just maybe, I'll give you my mercy. Wow. What a God that we serve tonight. Let's bow our heads if you would. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, we do ask you for mercy. Father, I pray that you would help us to learn a great lesson tonight that an omniscient God who knows everything, who had heard the cries of those innocent victims still wouldn't take it for face value, but had to go down and investigate himself. Father, forgive us for when we jump the gun. Forgive us for when, we, for when we carelessly share gossip. When we don't even investigate. We just take word of mouth. We just take things for face value and we begin to share it around the church and share it around the community. Lord, forgive us. That's not godly. Lord, forgive us for those times when things happen and the last thing we do is pray when it ought to be the first thing we do. God, may we, rather than criticize our brothers and sisters in Christ, God, may we pray for them and encourage them and restore them and lift them up. Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this time of invitation and all that's done, I pray, will glorify you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Real quickly tonight, I wonder if there may be anybody here this evening who would say, preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven and I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere tonight? There could be there be someone here tonight on a Sunday night and you'd say, pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven and I want you to pray for me. If that's you tonight, can I pray for you? Would you slip your hand up and let me remember, remember you in prayer tonight? Can I do that? Gonna do it? I don't see any hand tonight, so I take it by that then, that everyone here tonight professes to be a born again child of God. So I would just ask us this, are we godly? Are we being godly the way we react? When we hear things, when we hear the cry of others, When we hear a cry about others, are we being godly, waiting, praying, want to be a blessing? If God has struck a chord in your heart tonight, and listen, there's a need that you have, I'm going to encourage you to come. You hear this evening say, Pastor, I am saved, but I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want you to come. You're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I've not been baptized. I want you to come tonight. Pastor, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, but we feel it the will of God to join with this local body, then I want you to come tonight. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be. Could be something Pastor didn't preach on tonight, but if God's dealing with your heart, I want you to come. Let's all stand tonight all over the house. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. And God, I pray that you would uh, take this uh, attempt at preaching a message tonight. And Father, I pray that somehow that you would bring the increase from it. God, help us to be so careful about how we respond to things that come about in our life. Oh God, help us to be so careful about our tongue Help us to be so careful about what we say. God, help us to be so careful the way we respond. God, if we're not careful, we'll say or do things that would hurt others, hurt the church, hurt the cause of Christ. Father, help us not to do that. God, help us to pray. Lord, have your way now this invitation, please. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.